What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. It's episode 225. 225. (laughs) Jesus. And today we're going to be talking about some fun stuff, and we got a special guest. We actually have Stephen Kostansky, the director of Psycho Gorman, The Void, Leprechaun Returns, and more. You will not want to miss that, so stick around for that. Plus, we're going to be dipping back into those 2000s movies. We figured, why not? Let's just keep it going, because we've been in the mood for these kind of movies that are recent, but not that recent. You know, it feels more recent than it really is. So this week, we're going to be talking about a movie that came out in Japan called Pulse from 2001, and then got an American remake that was called Pulse from 2006. 2006. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said about these movies. (laughs) Some people are fans of the first one and don't like the second one. Actually, a lot of people don't like the remake, but uh, figured it'd be a good opportunity to talk about these movies, and I'm excited to talk about it. So had a few people write me. They're like, yes, (laughs) finally. Uh, so that's good to hear. Uh, we got a couple of drinks here for ourselves. What are we drinking, Christina? We have new fancy drinks. I got the new Crown Royal Apple drink, which yeah, is drink. In a drink. Are you drunk already? I'm. Dr- yeah. Well, I haven't drank in a long time, so I'm trying to sip on it, but it's kind of hard to just sip on. But they're new and they're like in a can. Yeah. There's also the kind that you can get that's just straight in the bottle. Like it's it's like Crown Royal in a bottle. Oh, and it's apple. And it's apple. Oh, but I don't know. These are I the just... like canned drinks that are like 7% alcohol by volume. I just saw it at the grocery store. And I was like, oh, okay. Into um, the cart you go. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Into the cart you go. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Whoops. How did that get there? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's try it out. It tastes like apple and whiskey. Ooh, it's kind of cool, though. I like it. I like anything apple because I drink. Yeah, the sour pucker. Well, no, no, no. It's because I've been drinking apple cider beer. Oh. I've been doing the... My my mix is like vodka, apple pucker, and like ginger ale mm-hmm. when I stream for some reason. I don't know why. That always seems to be pretty handy. Good mix. But this tastes pretty good. It's got a little bit of that little uh, down... Tinge. Tinge of the whisk. Yeah. You can taste the whisk. <laughs> this should be an interesting episode since we're both like drinking through the whole episode. Yeah, we well, never do that. I don't think we're going to get that. Well, I do sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't notice. Yeah, we're not supposed to be drinking these. Though, no, we're not. <laughs> we're on our diet. <laughs> 
Anyway, guys, so we got a big show for you today. I'm excited to talk about these things. What have you been up to, Christina? How's things going? It was a rough week, but I'm doing okay now. Yeah. You seem, yeah. Yeah, you seem much better today. Yeah, if these goddamn spam calls would stop ringing my phone off the hook, I'd be better. I think everybody's getting that. I was Jeez. getting, like, email texts, or I was getting email messages, too, and, I, and like, like, they were sending an email to my text... So mm-hmm. you can do that. And right. I used so you'll, to, you'll click the link. Right. And I used That's to. Why. No, 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 no. I used to send text to me with like a sound file so that I could use it for my ringtone back right. in the day. And my buddy told me that I think that that happened because people switched over on their plan and it jumbles up their numbers. So if they have your email address attached to your phone number, it can switch it around. Uh-huh. And I was getting messages like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, who the fuck is this? I don't even know who this is. Why did you just call me? From some email, yeah. And then it was like, come on, man. Like, I really got to talk to you. And so I thought it was like spam. Uh What if it was like a real person? They would have called you. Yeah, why not? Like, maybe. Well, I don't know. I guess people. Oh, he's ignoring me. People don't really call anymore, so. I do. I'm old. But I got 43 calls yesterday. 43. 43. That's good. Signing up for a lot of stuff, are you? I should, like. No, I'm not signing for anything. I should tally. Well, they get that new robocaller thing that Ice T is fucking doing. <laughs> the robo. Oh, right. It, but but the funny thing is, is what I hear is like it it like blocks regular numbers too. Yeah, because like doctors' offices and stuff, they still use those those machines. Phones. Yeah, because yeah. we do at work too. We use those those calling machines. Right. So someone needs to make a horror movie about this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, it's just spam call. It's your wife calling you. She's getting murdered. <laughs> oh, I should have answered. Uh. <laughs> yeah, other than that, we've been uh, just uh, getting things together. Got um, getting more organized with our fucking studio and stuff like that. Thinking about switching it over into the bedroom, but I don't know if we're going to do that. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's a lot more room for the studio. A lot. And if we I, don't use the bedroom, we don't use all the room in the yeah, bedroom. Yeah, exactly. So we go like, in there to sleep, and that's about it. It's a waste. Well, you work out, so. Yeah, work out. In there. I work out. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. I when can... I'm in the club. <laughs> God, it's like, that's some old-ass shit right there. <laughs> that's that's like 10 years old, you know what I mean? Is that Fergie? No, I think it was or like LMFAO. Oh, oh, it was. It was. You're right. Uh, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. Cover old. <laughs> Do they even have an, uh, a song anymore? I don't think so. Wow. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you lay your head down and you wake up and you're 78. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> that's all right. Most of our listeners are our age anyway. Like I looked at the demographics and shit and uh-huh. it's, it's literally between like 25 and like 43 uh-huh. like that's the majority of our fucking listeners like zero 18 year olds and listen we, to our show and we thank you old ass people yeah. for listening no wonder you don't listen you can't follow along because we're you're not fucking experienced <laughs> get off my fucking lawn you little piece of shit <laughs> but anyway we got a special guest for us today who is Stephen Kostansky, the writer, director, producer, editor, everything guy. You've been wanting to interview him for a long time. I have. I told him about that, too, in the interview, which you're going to listen to right now. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So check this out. See what you think. We got Psycho Goreman that's coming out this Tuesday on Blu-ray in multiple different regions all over the world. 
So if you haven't already seen the movie, pick it up. It's a it's a really funny movie. Christina and I loved it. We did our episode on yeah, it, we obviously. Did episode. But here, guys, for your listening pleasure is director Stephen Kostansky talking about everything Psycho Gorman and much, much more. Hey guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. My name is Alex, and today we have writer, producer, director, uh, makeup effects guy, Stephen Kostansky with us today to talk about his new movie, Psycho Goreman, also known as PG. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you, Alex. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having the spending the time. I've been waiting since the void for some voidception. <laughs> yeah i i like the uh name of your podcast i feel like that's a good sequel title yes Maybe. right there you go that's true yeah because what's beyond the void right obviously you got your new movie coming out it's been a pretty big success for you and you know a lot of people are talking about it of course and you got the new uh blu-ray coming out in like two different regions right uh i feel it's coming out in a bunch of regions probably oh uh, that's right yeah you got I, germany it's like it came out of Germany. Uh, I feel like Australia is at some point. I, I honestly don't know. I, I can't keep track of all this stuff. I know Canada Canada and the U.S. at the very least are uh, March 16th. March 16th, yes. So I heard that part of the inspiration for this movie was directly associated with Rawhead Rex and E.T. Can you kind of explain that for us? just for the listeners and did it ever dawn on you to add the scene with the priest getting pissed on for the movie? I mean, I feel like I, I piss on religion in a different way in this movie. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, the rawhead Rex thing is really just, I just happened to be like watching that movie at the time I'd had ideas for, for this movie floating around in my head, like PG singing at a drum set was like an image I had that I didn't know what to do with. I, I love the idea of just like a monster being transplanted into a very mundane kind of situation. So him like sitting in a garage band setting was really funny to me, but I didn't know like what the story around that would be. And so I was watching Rawhead Rex and I was getting bored and just thinking about like, you know, like the, the core concept, which is a concept that comes from a lot of movies is just like an ancient evil is resurrected. Right. And the typical horror movie, like, scenario is monsters resurrected and then people get chased around and killed and that's your 90 minutes <laughs> and i was not feeling that and was like i wanted something else with that like where what can you where can you take that story that's more interesting and then i was like well et it's kind of like this a similar setup to something like et it's just in a family movie setting so that's when i decided to like mash the two together and was like well what if you had the most terrible evil being in the universe that's going on adventures with little kids like what would come out of that and so once my brain like kind of locked those two concepts together the movie really just wrote itself it just became a, a no-brainer at that point because it was like well of course like all this insanity is going to explode from it and so yeah that was like the origins of uh the pg 
PG premise. And that was my excuse to cram uh, a monster man sitting at a drum set into a movie. Right. And it's a double entendre, too, because I, I think I saw a review where somebody was like, this is not a PG movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, it's definitely misleading. Yeah, but I mean, there, none of the promotional artwork for the movie just calls it PG. It's always called Psycho Gorman. So if you're going to get a movie called Psycho Gorman and expect it to be a family adventure movie, that's like not hard R in a lot of ways. Like it's kind of your own fault. So, <laughs> I mean, too bad for those people. They made a mistake. <laughs> Well, one of the characters in the movie that I really love, and he's always great in everything he does, is Adam Brooks' character, the dad, Greg. And they have yep. this back and forth with mom, <laughs> this like continuing battle of their marriage. And I was curious as to why you added that in there. Uh, I like as I was coming up with the premise of this movie, I, one thing I didn't want to have was a lot of just like kind of stock uh human characters like watching movies like uh like suburban commando and stuff like i feel like the family dynamic is always pretty limp and as a kid watching those movies i was never like invested in what they were doing it was always like get to the crazy get to the he-man stuff i don't care about uh like whatever like courtney cox and her boyfriend like what kind of crap they're dealing with like i want the fantasy stuff so i wanted to like give the family a dimension of absurdity that made them as entertaining as PG. Like, I like the idea that even though PG brings all the sci-fi fantasy craziness, he's still technically the straight man in the situation. Like, like the whole like fish out of water, like monster man causing craziness. Like it's only like a small part of the movie. I feel like the rest of it is just him being frustrated, putting up with, all the family's shit that they're going through. <laughs> and so that just seemed like a more interesting dynamic to me than just having like innocent mundane family uh, kind of navigating this monster man. I like the idea that PG is walking into an already crazy situation where, you know, obviously Mimi and Luke have their drama they're dealing with and Greg and Susan have their drama that they're dealing with. And he's just all PG's just coming into like a huge problem scenario and that he has to navigate. So that just seemed infinitely more interesting to me than just having everyone be like, like the innocent side characters that they typically sure. are in these types. Like Some sort of flaw. Crazy. Yeah. Like everybody's crazy in their own way. Right. Which is more fun to me. One of the things that I first uh, thought about when I heard about this movie being made was I thought of your, I think it was ABCs of Death 2 short Champions of Zorb or just Zorb. Yeah, uh, W's for Wish is technically what we had to call it. Is that what it was? Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we were we were W in the in the alphabet for that movie. Uh, but yeah, Champions of Zorb is the name of the like action figure line. The He-Man sort of. Yeah, and that very much was like kind of an early version of what this movie is. And that was where I first got my taste for like, oh, I like the idea of pairing kids with really perilous situations. <laughs> uh, and I also just feel like kids, kids bring a different dynamic to these types of stories. Like I think kids in horror movies are always great. Like it just feels more serious when there's kids around. Like it's one of the things that I love about uh, Friday the 13th part six 
is like there's actually kids at the camp. Yeah. And it just immediately makes the situation feel more serious because you're like, oh, Jason's going to like murder a bunch of little kids. And so I wanted, uh, like, I wanted that kind of energy in PG and Champions of Storm, W's for Wish, like, was definitely like a proto version of that. Where, Perfect. Where that's when I realized, like, oh, it's like, there's a special kind of energy that comes out when you have when you're putting kids in peril in this way. Like the situation feels more serious than if it was just adults. Right, a hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, fighting, fighting these things. So, yeah, that was something I wanted to carry over. Yeah, it felt very familiar in that sense, which I love that one because it's so brutal. And then there's BioCop too, which you know it seems like there's like this Kostansky universe like building in in Psycho Gorman. Yeah, the Kostansky cinematic universe that I'm slowly starting to set up. I mean, who knows? Like, maybe Manborg will show up. Oh. Uh, in of PG. Any, anything is possible. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to throw Biocop into PG as a way to satisfy the constant demand I've been getting for more Biocop stuff. Because, and to be fair, I love that character too. It's more just like, in terms of like time and what I'm doing, like, I. <laughs> You know, it's a lot to kind of pull together another Biocop short or make a Biocop movie, but I figure throwing him into PG randomly uh, is like a fun, satisfying way to get more Biocop adventures and kind of give like a weird origin story to that character. Sure, yeah. And it seems like you have a lot of, (laughs) for Biocop, the character is, it's got to be tough to write an entire freaking movie that would be about Biocop, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing I'm trying to like convey to people is that like he is... He's a good side character, but if you made a full movie about him, like it start to feel like like an SNL original movie, like from the '90s, where you're like, "Did we need a ladies' man?" Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, so like I think keeping him just orbiting around other characters is really funny to me, and just kind of having him off to the side. So I don't know if he's ever going to get his own movie, but I'm going to keep him around for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've you've been working in um makeup effects and everything like that for a very long time and obviously directing has become sort of to the forefront of of what you've been doing a lot even though you still do this stuff behind the scenes I'm sure uh do you think oh, that I mean well let's ask you this I mean did you do any of the makeup in this it looked like it you hadn't so that's why I question and did you just want to focus on directing this time for psycho gorman oh yes. no I did a lot of stuff on this like i i got my hands dirty uh in pretty much every character in some way uh but i mean i did have a huge team contribute to the project like masters of effects toronto uh helped a lot with the build but it was a situation where we only had a small amount of money to do it and it was a huge build so a lot of it ended up being me going back to like my manborg sensibilities of like just doing it on my own on the cheap like making stuff the like quickest easiest way possible a lot of fabrication a lot of trips to the dollar store to buy cheap materials um because yeah it was a very ambitious film which is funny considering when i wrote it i was like oh this feels like a small achievable movie and it really <laughs> is not it is a movie. um but yeah i i had to get in there and, and build a lot of the stuff uh thankfully i had uh like I had an intern helping me out, but then I also had one of the producers, uh, Jesse, jump in, and he basically became an effects artist, like, on the movie, because I, 
he offered to help out in the shop and I was like, all right, like you're not going to like it, but you can come help make molds and things. And he just got so into it. He was like, by the end of it, he was like building miniatures and stuff. He actually made a uh, bio cops, like melted handgun. Like that was all him. Nice. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a very like, like DIY approach uh, to making everything on this movie and very much a, a team effort, but there definitely were days where it was just me alone late at night on like a on a saturday trying to cobble stuff together because we you know we couldn't afford to pay anyone else to do it so yeah i definitely uh got my hands dirty on this one okay well and now i'm curious with the hand uh the gun hand was that his way of like kind of homaging uh video drum or just something that came out of pure it's definitely a bit of a video drum thing i do love the design uh of that handgun and video drum uh, it was just like a weird detail I wanted to add to Biocop. And I just like the, and we came up with it on set too, just the idea of the gun like going off randomly. Uh, <laughs> made us laugh. So we wanted to, yeah, put that in there too. But yeah, there's definitely a little bit of video drone there. I feel there's lots of like Cronenbergy type things going on in this movie as well. I would imagine with, with being an effects makeup artist, there's got to be some inspiration there because he's so good at that. Like, Oh yeah. It's, it's hard to uh, move past some of your influences sometimes. I mean, that kind of stuff is just so burned into my DNA at this point that like, <laughs> I don't even think about it when I'm writing. It's just, it just happens. And then I look back on it and go like, huh, I guess that was from that other movie and I didn't even realize it. So yeah, lots of homages in this one. What would you say is one of the best, you shouldn't watch this as a kid movies that you saw as a kid that, might have inspired this uh there's a few terminator 2 was a big one and i think it's like one of my earliest memories of a movie that i had watched as a kid um because yeah it's like everything i wanted as a kid in a movie like that the concept of the movie is such a like wish fulfillment for a kid concept of like now you have your own killer robot man (laughs) like so cool but it's so violent and like very adult dealing with very adult themes. So that really like messed me up as a kid. Uh, and definitely like the traumas of that movie I've carried with me my whole life. But I'd also say RoboCop was a big influence too, especially uh, what's the character Emil. Is he the one that melts? Yes. He gets the toxic waste. On? Yes. Yeah. Is that the BioCop so, like, influence right there? <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like, well, I think Biocop originally, to go back to when I first did that short, I think there were like two major influences on that character. One of them was the Melting Man from Robocop. And the other one was in The Fly 2 when the security guard gets sprayed in the face and he like pulls his face off and he's screaming. <laughs> uh, that image was definitely something I was looking at when I was coming up with Biocop. I was like, imagine if that guy had to solve crimes. That would be fun. <laughs> that's awesome so, so yeah me, if i had to pick these i'd say i'd say terminator 2 and robocop are like huge influences now that you say that the terminator 2 thing with the kid is it you're right it's like a kid's movie like that's like totally adult it really is like i never thought yeah, of it that like, way yeah it, the setup of it like you could you could transplant that into like a pg rated or g rated disney movie and it would still work the idea basically of like a kid getting like a fantasy character as their buddy, as their sidekick. <laughs> and that 
going on adventures. It's like a very transferable concept, and it just happened to come out of this like hard R-rated sci-fi action movie. Well, let me ask you one last question. I'll let you go. I know you have busy schedule today. Uh, so what's next? Now, obviously, you've said that everything about you is pretty much just you like to make jokes, and that's just you. And this movie is bit the epitome of it. Are you going to try to do something more serious next time? Are you going to try to do something maybe more comedic again? Are you going to do a sequel to this? Do you even want a sequel? I mean, there's definitely a lot of interest in more PG adventures, and I'm all over doing it. Like, it's such a big universe. I could go anywhere with it, and I could make a more serious movie, and it would still fit. Or I could make a wackier movie. Like, I could always make a straight-up kids movie, and it would still fit the universe. I'm just trying to figure out like what the what the smartest move is. I don't want to jump into something. And uh, what I actually said in the the last interview was I don't want to Highlander to myself uh, and make something that totally shits the bed um, <laughs> as much as much as I love Highlander too. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna take my time and figure out what's next for PG. I mean, I'm all about doing like anything that makes my filmography stranger i'm all about i would love to go back and do something more serious uh and just kind of explore other options for types of movies i don't want to just get stuck doing one kind of thing so i'm still figuring it out there's a lot of options on the table right now um but uh yeah i'm just gonna right now i'm just working in the shop uh making effects like i usually do and i'm gonna focus on that for a little bit let my brain clear out and then i'll figure out what the next step is awesome well that's good to hear man well, I really appreciate your time here, I, and thank you for coming on to spend some time with us. Guys, if you're looking for the new Blu-ray of Psycho Gorman, which if you haven't seen, you should, get a copy out now. It'll be out March 16th, anywhere you want, Germany, wherever. Buy all of them, really. So, <laughs> <laughs> The more PG, the better. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you very much for having us. And that was it, everybody. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. What do you think, Christina? That was great. You're such a good interviewer. You always are. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) More than what I could do. I always get nervous for some reason. And then I realize once I'm in it that I'm like, oh, it's just we're just hanging out. You know, it's like no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope I answered some questions that maybe you guys had. I was trying to ask some different stuff, you know, that most people might not have asked or maybe have asked too much so that we can just refresh their memories. Mm -hmm. But I had a really good time and hanging out with you, Steven. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And thank you, everybody that helped organize that. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to get the the DVD. Yeah, we're going to get here. The Blu-ray. We're going to get it tomorrow, technically for you guys. So Tuesday, that's the Blu-ray. If you're looking to get it, you should check it out. We really enjoyed it. So Right. But anyway, I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horse shots! All right, guys, so we're going to pick one of the movies. We're going to pick the first one, the original one, from Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Ooh, you said that nice. Yeah, he is the guy who came up with this idea, a movie that is way more complex than I think people realized when it first came out, uh, because Mm -hmm. we were at the hype of the... 
you know, the J horror phase in the two thousands or whatever, late nineties, but mostly two thousands where everybody was like giving each other tapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Stupid shit like tapes. that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was though. We were still using tape. Were we in two thousands? Fuck yeah, we were. I don't, oh, I, mean, I we guess still I was had re- DVDs. I was we rent, just were rent, doing. Yeah, Blockbuster. I still did Blockbusters. Yeah, basically. if you wanted to get copies of movies that you couldn't get a hold of that haven't been brought to DVD, well, there you go. Just like we do now, like we get DVDs for the movies that aren't brought to Blu-ray or 4K. Did you have Netflix when they would send you DVDs in the mail? I did. Oh yeah, I used to. Yeah, they, they I used would just to do send that. us random shit. Yeah, sometimes I'd be like, I don't know, must have gotten lost in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck, this is impossible to find. You know what I mean? Charge me five bucks. I don't give a shit. Twenty dollars. You can't charge me more than what you paid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth 120 but without a case. <laughs> anyway. Um, but anyway, we're going to do a shot based on the 2001 movie Pulse, which is Christina. All right. We got like. No, no, no. What is it called? First? Oh, I'm sorry. It's called a red tape shot, you know, because there's, you know, red, the red, tape. there's red duct tape in the movie. But neither movie explains. Right. Not really. No, not to full extent. So we got half ounce of Bailey's Irish cream because. It's St. Patrick's Day this week. Mm-hmm. And then we got half of cinnamon stops. Okay. And then we have just a little bit of rum shotta cream, which is a, co- a rum coffee creamer. Okay. And that's Feels it. Feels like we've done this shot before, but... Get over it. <laughs> I'm it's leaning fine. on... We're running out of ingredients, She's okay? actually going to take it with me, too. We got it right yeah, here. So it's half, half... So it's like how much? Half Bailey's, half uh, cinnamon snops, and then like a little bit of like a dab of cream. Oh, my God. I might need to put some red tape on the door to keep you out after this. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. <laughs> not See, bad. not bad. Huh? Actually, it's pretty good. It is. just tastes like rum chata. Which it shouldn't. There wasn't that much in there. That's some strong shit, dude. It's got cinnamon in it, too, so it's yeah, rum chata it does. Brings, yeah, yeah it's, well, it's like horchata. Right. It tastes good. It's just got rum and chata. Yeah, rum chata. <laughs> rum chata. It's got <laughs> rum you. and chata. You know chata. Thank you for explaining that to me, Alex it's the American. Little, little cinnamon, little chata. <laughs> I just think it's funny this, the, the word chata. We're going to wash that down with some Crown Royal. Yeah, I don't know about that. Cream. Or we're just like mix them together and feel a lot better, huh? Yep. I'm going to get through this. <laughs> To get through these fucking movies. Anyway, guys, if you would like to try a red tape shot, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com to check out our hashtag horror shot section. Now, that's it for horror shots. All right, guys, so now we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes of Pulse from 2001 and 2006. The remake. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. Alright guys, so obviously we're going to kick it off with the first movie that started it all. It's called Pulse from 2001. It was also known as Cairo, more so, in Japan. It was a movie that was very difficult to get a hold of when it came out in the United States, or anywhere really. The story of Pulse is two groups of people discover evidence that suggests spirits may be trying to invade the human world through the internet. Oh my god. Dun dun dun. How could it be? 
Now, this is a movie that uh, was first released in Japan on February 3rd, 2001. So the beginning of the year that year. The director and writer of this movie is Kiyoshi Kurosawa. He's done many films in and outside of the horror genre. He's in fact, does a lot of different genres. He spreads his art pretty wide. That sounds dark. Weird. I say it like that. You like it. <laughs> Though his film style, you know, it's not just set to one style, but of the genre pieces he has worked on, he did The Cure. And one of my favorite films that has a little bit of controversy about it is, and still needs to see the light of day, by the way, is Sweet Home from 1989. This movie is, by the way, a pretty fucking crazy story of a movie, you know what I mean? It's got like a really wild story about this mom that had her child die and then she's haunting this mansion. Not only is it has some of the most insane practical effects for a movie, it's it's wildly stylish and also inspired the game Resident Evil. Oh, that movie. Mhm. Oh, okay. They even made a video game of Sweet Home on Nintendo at the time. In 1989? Yeah. Whoa. It came out around the same time that the movie did actually, which is weird. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that this movie hasn't been released, it's 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 a good question because a lot of people have suspicions about stuff, but supposedly Kiyoshi's Kurosawa might not have directed this entire thing, and there might have been some problems in the making of this movie. Um, the only way that you can really get a copy is you can watch it on YouTube. I think there's like a decent copy. It's pretty much the same copy that's taken from a, a VHS that most everybody has a copy of. I have a DVD cut that I got bootlegged sort of because I love this movie so much, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit because I, you know, I forgot that he was the director of pulse. Oh. And this is one of my favorite movies that I really feel like needs to get like a Blu-ray or 4k, probably a Blu-ray at least. You should write a letter. I, I'm, I'm not the only ones out there. I'm sure vinegar syndrome would love to get their hands on a massacre video. Anybody would like to get their hands on this movie, but I don't know. I still love it. I own a print on VHS and I own a copy on DVD. It's just waiting for someone to put it out. But I think this controversy around who owns it, who worked on it is, is kind of why it's been held up. Anyway, some of the people that are in the movie is Haruhiko Kato, who is plays Ryosuke, who plays Kawashima. He's like one of the random guys. That was in the movie. He's done movies, a uh, slit mouth woman, also known as carved the hero, Yoshihiko, another Gantz loft and another heaven, which is a wildly like CGI kind of movie back from uh, 2000 mm-hmm. around the same time. You also have Kumiko Aso, who plays Michi. She is, she's done a lot of different work and stuff, but she's also in Samurai Resurrection. Fly Me to Saitama, Louder, Can't Hear What You're Singing, Wimp, which I think is like a, <laughs> it's actually like a, a rock opera. I know, I was just going to say it sounded like a musical or something. Yeah. She was also in she, Shimo Kitazawa, Die Hard, The Boy and the Beast. And more. It also stars Koyuki. She goes by her first name. Obviously mm-hmm. pretty popular. Usually when someone has a first name only and they uh-huh. only go by that, they're like, you know, Madonna. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's what <laughs> I think. She plays Harui. She is in movies like The Last Samurai, Blood, The Last Vampire, Always, Sunset on Third Street, and many more. Also, we have Karume Arasaka, who plays Junko, who was in The Storyteller's Apprentice, Arakawa Under the Bridge, 
Unfair, Lizard Baby, and more. We also have Masatoshi Matsuo, who is in Toshia Yabe, where it goes by Yabe in the movie. Mm-hmm. He was in Death Water, Ultraman Cosmos, The Blue Planet, The World Sinks Except Japan, Embalming, and more. And one last one is we got Shinji Takeda, who is a Yoshizaki, who has been in movies like Kermarty High, the movie, Gourmet Detective. That sounds interesting. Yeah. The Love Theory and many more. This movie has a lot of different types of fans for it. There's It's divided a lot of people, so it'll be interesting to hear what you think about this fine film, Christina. Well, I think this was a little bit too deep for me, so I think you should go first. Really? Yes. You really don't want to talk about it? I really don't. That sounds like a bad thing, huh? Yeah, it's a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, years ago, this movie was highly sought after because it had released in a time when, you know, many J-horror films were popping off. Mm -hmm. It was a time when they didn't always make it over to the States. In part, this film was purchased rather quickly by Miramax, Mm -hmm. also known as... Dimension Extreme Films. Weinstein family. Oh, wow. There was probably one sole intention of making a better movie than this movie was. And I don't think they really paid attention to really the art that was like he was making for this film. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really like, oh, just another J-horror movie. Let's turn it into America. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it was popular because we had the ring and all these other fucking Grudge movies. And yeah. On the surface of this movie, it is sort of like a techno supernatural event that takes place in Tokyo where the dead are just beyond the thin glass that we watch this movie on. Mm. However, there is a deeper meaning to it all. So it works in two parts as a spooky, creepy J-horror classic and sort of a metaphor for how it, uh, how the technology and how Internet creeps into us and affects us. So while many see this film as like a just a typical slow burn, creepy film about Internet ghosts, it's far more than that. You know what I mean? It's got the it's complexities of loneliness, separation of human interaction physically, you know, like instead of, you know, being next to somebody and depression, even with tones of suicide at the forefront. Which, if you saw this movie and didn't see that, you'd be forgiven that it was just some sort of, you know, boring techno J-horror movie mm-hmm. that didn't have enough action or blood or guts in it, as I did pretty much many years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't think into it too much. And boy, do you love talking about the internet. <laughs> well, I do, actually, yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of my big, big topics that I always, like, kind of, like, this... wonder how its effects have, have been on society. Mm-hmm. And now, like, examples of that are, like, large swaths of misinformation have been targeted on people. Right. Who don't know the difference of misinformation. Right. So they just assume it's either right or they're scared or they're pushed into fear, all this other stuff. And we've been experiencing this this movie, essentially, on a level since the, the whole COVID thing, right? Because mm-hmm. we've been existing through the internet to each other amongst our friends for the most part, other than going out to get groceries and do mundane things, right? Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a perfect film for this whole thing right now. I also think this movie is going to be a movie that will divide its audience because of that message. So those looking for like a Juan, The Grudge, Ring may get 
a moderately spooky film, but those who like a deeper meaning in their movies will probably resonate much better with, I think. And I think this movie is probably more prevalent, like I said, under the current COVID conditions that we've all experienced. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you will like it and I'm wrong. A lot of people have been depressed about being inside, not having any interaction. So it's hell. It's definitely not going to be for everyone. Those who cannot stand slow burn movies might not enjoy it, especially because it's a two and a half hour feature. So it's pretty lengthy. But long after the credits rolled for me, it stayed with me, not just because of how excellent the sound design was in this movie and the atmosphere, which I loved, but also for the, the message I've been talking about and referring to. It's, it's really kind of hard to express it all because it's a movie that could be interpreted multiple different ways. It's actually kind of shot. It's shot well in certain regards, but it's also shot kind of like in this like really shitty, no color correction kind of way. Like everything looks bland, you know, like everything looks like has this like gray bluish hue over it. And it's just. But like, isn't that depression? That's why they did it. You right. know, there's it's intentionally done. Right. So to paint that very drab, lonely world and the camera work that they do in this movie, I wouldn't say it's like Sam Raimi, but they do things and little techniques in the movie that almost allow you to know what's coming mm -hmm. before it's coming and what you're looking at in this darkness. It turns before the character turns even, mm -hmm. which I thought was different. And I like it because it creates this sort of atmosphere mixed with that sound design that I was talking about. It's like it's like leading you into its dark corner, <laughs> you know, that something's amiss and, and making you wonder what lurks in its shadowy depths. <laughs> it, it's kind of cool that way. I really do like it that way. Now, this isn't a bloody film, so you're not going to see a whole bunch of fucking stuff. There is one death scene in it that is kind of brutal and it involves a suicide. So if you have trigger warnings on that for some reason which is a normal thing by the way nobody would fault you for not wanting to see this mm -hmm. because it is a pretty depressing movie but the mixture of the sound the camera and the sheer creepiness of some of its scenes i think are pretty crafty and it's like this deep dark metaphorical emotion that's tucked into this film that stays with you long after you've watched it mm -hmm. so it's definitely something that is much more than what it seems on the surface and there's some spoilers that we're going to talk about that will make that a little bit more evident i don't want to spoil too much just because you need to just go for the ride and you'll figure it out as you're going into it you're going to be like oh yeah this means there's something more to this there's like a like a current social discussion going on here so I think that's kind of genius in any regard. Even if I don't like the film as a whole, like enjoyment level wise, mm -hmm. it does what it set out to do. And I think he was pretty genius in how he did it. I have much more of an appreciation now for it than I did before. That's for sure. And as it's, it's weird because like, you know how I'm always can, you know, like obsessed with technology and how it's affecting the internet and everything. It's like, in some ways it's helped us to bond when we had no bond. But in other regards, it's distance each other from that bond. And we put up these fake block avatars right. that say who we are, you know, like oh, you can be anything you want on the Internet, you know, even to your friends. You know what I mean? Like if you haven't seen them in a while for, for like a year, mm -hmm. like we have, it's the same thing. So it's like we're more distant than ever before. Mm -hmm. But I give this movie a 7.5 for a film as a whole. That's going to be a little bit high for most people, I think. Of course. <laughs>
but I felt guilty giving this anything high, lower than that because there is like some real work, some stuff that's in this. Maybe it doesn't resonate with you or me or somebody else as much as it it was for the person who made it. But I think all the stuff that everything that's in this movie has a purpose. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just some thing. It is going to be slow for some people. I will give you that. Murray's going to squeak his toy throughout the, the watching of it, probably from your headphones. But yeah, I don't know. I just find it to be kind of crafty and thoughtful and interesting in the regard of, of loneliness and how we deal with it and how we go online, especially for a movie that was in 2001 where the internet wasn't exactly as booming as it is now. A lot of people feel that this movie actually told the future mm-hmm. of what it was like and what how it was going to affect everybody. It's made us crazy, dude. Some ways it's helped us do things, but it's made us fucking crazy, man. And I don't mean crazy like, oh, you got a problem wrong with this. No, we're all fucked up. <laughs> it's all good so i don't know it, it stuck with me christina why don't you go ahead and shit <laughs> all over it i didn't get anything that you got out of this this was literally a slow burn film about internet ghosts a lot of you guys are not gonna like this film. it's about internet ghosts i didn't get this loneliness I got to me, people got possessed, people committed suicide. Well, when we get into the spoilers, I'll break some of it down for you. Okay, that's fine. What I thought about. But I didn't get any of that through the whole fucking two So you were just like, why? when are they going to do some cool shit? Right. Okay. I felt like there was no character development, and there was like all these characters. I didn't feel anything for anybody, and there was like different sets of characters, and they didn't even meet up until... Like, it was just... It was it. The, it didn't explain anything. It didn't explain why this was happening. And there's this red tape. What the fuck? Nothing's explained. They're running around in circles. People are disappearing. What is going on? <laughs> I'm bored. I guess I did like the imagery of it, like you were saying with the like depressiveness of it. It was depressing. Like it was fucking depressing. Damn. But I didn't get. I didn't get the whole because of the internet. I got. It was like these ghosts were taken over through it's the It's a internet. metaphor. It's a metaphor for us using the internet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't resonate. But yeah, it was. that was about it. I well, just... you know how everybody always com- compares how um, people on their phones are like zombies? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Internet, ghosts, dead people. Nah, I don't. Not just with wandering movie. around with no purpose in life other than to be on the internet. Yeah, I just didn't. They didn't convey it well for me. I don't know if there was like Woo! a cultural because no. thing no. i got it yeah you did but you didn't get it the first time but you weren't in the midst that was of, like years ago of internet culture I'm, i was like fucking 19 probably but when I, I, don't, I don't know i still don't i didn't get it i just did not i didn't pick that up at all okay they gave it a three out of ten wow that's rough yeah it was a rough one <laughs> It was hard to sit through this, Alex. Okay, okay. okay. It was long, and it was slow. <laughs> so you gave it... So between the two of us, it's like a 5.25. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that's probably where it's going to land for a lot of other people, though. I don't have any problem with that. I just think that I got to thinking about it more and more as it as it left with me. Now, this isn't something that I, I would... I understand that. I wouldn't watch this movie, like, frequently. 
Right. It's, it's kind of like saying, oh, let's go watch, you know, Requiem for a Dream like every freaking <laughs> week. Yeah, let's let's go ahead. And, oh. hit, let's go ahead and hit rock bottom synthetically like every week. I know what you're saying, because I feel the same way about a girl who walks home alone at night where that movie was wasn't like that great to me, but it resonated. With right. Me. That's the thing. I didn't think much of it at, at, at right. first. And then it kept staying with me. I kept right. thinking about moments in it and how well shot it was. And and I was like, this is totally not a movie for me. But for some reason, I'm really liking it. Right. So, so I mean, it just didn't resonate with me. And, you know, when I do my scoring, it's like, oh, five means I will maybe watch it again or not. Well, how frequent you watch a movie doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or bad some right. movies are not meant to be watched every year yes yeah, suburban film yeah it's like it's just like one of those wait what <laughs> you said some movies aren't made to be watched every year no i'm just saying that some movies are made for a specific moment or a specific feeling just like when you put on a specific type of music you're in a specific mood for some okay. movies are for that and I, I don't want to score it low just because I wouldn't watch it frequently. Right. You know? So other people have said that this is like a masterpiece. Literally one of the top 12 movies of Japan ever made. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not alone in that, but I think 7.5 is fair because it's like, I don't, I didn't know how to grade this one. It's like, it's good. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, you know, but it is going to be boring for most people because they're not going to want to, they're not going to care about that thing. And, and for those who are maybe going through something or have gone through something, they might resonate with it more than somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you just don't know. I think it's a very thoughtful movie and I, I like how they attempted to to do it. And when we get into the spoilers, I'll point out some things that you'll be like, oh, yeah, OK, that kind of makes sense. And it's not like these are just thoughts I had. And I kind of watched a couple other people's like explaining of it all. Most of them I didn't agree with. Uh -huh. Like, I didn't like what they were saying. Uh -huh. Like, even the more well-spoken ones, I was like, yeah. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about, dude? It's, it's just words. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so the movie you can watch on Tubi and Peacock. Pluto. We watched oh, it. Oh, is it Pluto? Yeah, Sorry. We, wa we watched it on Pluto TV. Yeah, they have it on Pluto, Tubi, and a few other places. You can also rent it digitally or whatever. They also have a copy that came out from Arrow just not too long ago, about a year, mm -hmm. well, nine months ago it came out. So they got their hands on it and put out a really amazing copy, which I would like to get at some point, uh, just to see the extras on it. But if you don't want anything spoiled, we're going to get into our trivia and our spoilers now. So if you want to go down to the timestamp down below and check out what we thought of the remake of this film without spoiling anything and do our spoiler free on that movie, you can check the timestamps down below. Go to that. And then always make sure you check at the end of the podcast to see what we're going to watch next week and uh, squeak it with us. But uh, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. All right, so there wasn't a whole lot of trivia on these movies, and I'm sure if I would have gotten the Blu-ray disc set, it would have been a little bit more, done it a little bit more justice, but mm -hmm. I haven't seen it, so I didn't want to, like, just cheese it. So I just grabbed things that I thought were interesting. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned before, this movie was picked up by Miramax in the hopes of putting out their very own version of the movie 
they essentially held off on allowing people to see it like forever. So they didn't put out the original because they wanted to do theirs first. Of course. But the things kept getting tied up, kept getting fucking problems with it, script problems, like director problems, production problems. So they essentially held off for a long time to that, you know, even the genre was kind of not even as popular anymore Mm -hmm. in 2006. Yeah. I, however, was able to get a copy of the movie because I was a smart boy And I went down to some of the Korean stores. I used to work um, doing door-to-door business sales Mm -hmm. with, like, cell phones and, like, vacations to the fucking... What is the the fake Las Vegas? The old people's Vegas? Oh, Laughlin. Laughlin, yeah. (laughs) I used to sell trips to Laughlin, like, Uh timeshares. I would go into businesses and be like, Circus, Circus, Las Vegas, baby! What's up? My God, timeshares, the fall of the economy. <laughs> do you do you know how embarrassing and scary to do shit like that was? <laughs> I bet. Just, but it probably helps your It did. Yeah. It really did. I got I learned so much doing that mm-hmm. physical job and mm-hmm. it taught me to be more op- like outgoing mm-hmm. than I ever was before. But I went into this Korean video store and they were doing like, you know, they had just like walls of like blank tapes that you could see and they just had copies of this one movie Mm -hmm. and they would rent they would give you the copy of the movie to rent Mm -hmm. so they didn't even give you the original copy (laughs) they legitimately gave you copies of the copy that they got (laughs) they would buy one copy and sell like five or you know Uh 10 different copies and they were like well if you want to keep it it's ten dollars and i was like i'll just pay it now Uh uh-huh because it was Cairo. And I was like, oh, shit, this is not even out in America right now. Uh-huh. It didn't even have subtitles. And I even have it on the shelves. I have it in my my VHS. Oh, yeah, it's got the original Japanese cover. Uh-huh. And I just watched it and was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, and it wasn't until years later that I got to see it, you mm-hmm. know, finally when it came out. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just proud that I got to see that. You <laughs> no, know? that makes sense. I mean, the internet was thriving at kind of that time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure there was people doing it. There was a lot more people torrenting back then. Oh, yeah. I remember you would, uh, th- you would, uh, through the mail, you'd get online and then you would exchange and you would mail them ripped C, you know, ripped CDs. No, no. There yeah, were, there were that. companies that would do exactly what that Korean oh, store did. That, okay. Copy. And then- yeah. There was like, uh, oh God, what was it called? Video junkies. There was like black letter or black, black heart. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. All these different organizations that you could buy tapes from. They would take PAL because there was like PAL and NTSC, which mm-hmm. NTSC is the American format and PAL was like the better looking quality mm-hmm. format. So VH, different types of VHS and you would have to trans, you'd have to like convert it to VHS to NTSC certain amount of lines in the screen kind of thing. It's confusing. But anyway, these companies would do that and they would send out a catalog for you and they would just have all these things in it. So it was kind of interesting. Um, so in the 16 minute mark, there's a scene where Kawashima starts going over the footage of people in the computer screen mm-hmm. and he comes across like a bearded man who looks up and stares directly at him. Okay. That's the director. Oh, nice. And the writer. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in the movie. It was a specific thing that he wanted to be a part of. It seems like a lot of directors want to have a role, someone in their movie to kind of immortalize themselves in it. Right. And then that way we can point it out. Right. It's like, I feel like, you know, being a director, it's like you create these things, but it's like being in part of it inside is like 
Yeah. Uh, it's like the, brings out the kid in you. Yeah. That makes sense. So, but other than that, I mean, that's pretty much all I have. I split the trivia between the two movies. Um, mm-hmm. The new movie has a lot of stuff that I'll probably remember as we go. Mm-hmm. The remake or whatever. So, but did you want to bring up something about this movie that you're just like, you have to talk about? It doesn't have to be a scene or anything. Just stuff that bothered you or stuff that you liked that you can spoil now. Well, right off the bat, um, the suicide which was kind Which of one? the first the first one okay well there's the, many so right but the main one it the was the first one the big one right so she stretchy neck so they they work together and then she goes to check on him because he was supposed to be working on a disc yeah right and so she walks in and yeah his neck it was all stretched out like he had been hanging there for a I don't a know while. if that's how it is, really, but I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. other photos of like people who've been hanging there for a mm-hmm. while. Yeah. I mean, it, they did make it seem like it wasn't, you know, it was exaggerated. Mm-hmm. So it really didn't hit home. And she didn't really have, to me, she didn't really show any emotion about it. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of went on. What do you mean? She did. She fell back. She fell down. She was like holding something scared out of her mind. And then the cops showed up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was just, I don't know. I guess it was too fast. Then. You didn't think it was an impactful moment? It, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't impactful for me. Okay. It was just like, okay, okay. Guy hung himself with some wire, okay. Well, there's a lot of things that happen in that scene. Like, mm-hmm. for one, you find out that the kids, these kids that work at a plant nursery, which, by the way, how many fucking people do you need working at a plant nursery? Right. There's barely any plants, but <laughs> I get it. It's really not, you're not really supposed to focus on the mundane jobs. Right. Like, it could have been anything. And I think each of the characters, if you look at this, and this is what my perspective was after after watching it, because I was like, okay, I can't just simply just write this off as kind of boring. Or, you know what I mean? Because it was atmospheric and creepy, and I appreciated it for it, and the camera work was really cool, too. Um, but, like, they're mundane jobs. Everything was very mundane. Everything was. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like, everybody that was doing something as n- was not enthralled with whatever they were doing. Uh-huh. Everybody was, like, individually kind of, like, sanctioned off into their own little corners. Right. Everybody was, like, living on their own. Like, right. Like, in their small little homes. Right. You know, with nothing else to do. And it was... Right. I don't know. It's just that's a very poignant part in this movie. She goes over there with the sole purpose of finding this disc because the disc is the important part. What that reminds me of is that people are so busy with their regular lives that they don't even realize the people that they care about are suffering from depression and may have suicidal thoughts. Oh. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's deep. I didn't, but I didn't get that from this. I did because I knew that that was an example. Like everybody that, that stuck together in this movie seemed to survive. As soon as they split up, mm-hmm. they all died. The only two that characters that didn't are Michi mm-hmm. and f- who's from the plant nursery and the Kawasami or mm-hmm. what's Kawashima. Yeah, but he didn't survive. Yeah, but he, he was. By himself a lot of times. But oh, he, and he, he took off by himself. He didn't, he believed in life. Right. So he was like that passionate person about living life. So that he didn't believe in ghosts. He didn't believe in right. killing yourself. He believed in living in the moment, which ultimately got him killed. <laughs> sort of. He fell to victim to but, it by the end. But we don't, I don't want to go there yet. There's a lot of points that you can make. Right. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I though? mean, yeah. Yeah, but it just it's 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 so like it's not there for me. That's fine. 
I'm just saying, I'm just trying to point these little things out that make sense to me and right. maybe somebody will see what or think about, about afterwards. It doesn't matter. It's all about suicide. All these people disappear into the wall as dust, mm -hmm. you know, like the fly on the wall sort of thing. They just kind of like, like they were just, there's just this figment, this so, shadow of a person that used to be there. So that was, the, that happened because of the internet? Or was it their own choice? It's not, you're, you're thinking to, too distinctly. It is the cause of the internet subconsciously is, is making us not hang out with each other. Okay. So while we used to, to feel happy, to feel like we've spent time with our friends, think back to a time when we didn't have computers. We didn't have, you know, maybe cell phones or, or like not cell phones, but just phones mm -hmm. were the closest thing we had to stay. Yeah, we were kids. Right. That's how we organized things, but we always went to go hang out because that's what you did. Now, people choose to stay home and then they hang out online. And that's depressing? It does in a way because there is a, a, a specific amount of a human interaction that you get something from that human interaction that you don't get normally from, right. from online. So this guy was theorizing that the internet would be the cause of a lot of depression and suicide because we're spending so much time apart. Kind of like people who say, put down your cell phone at dinner. There's no interaction there anymore. Maybe he shouldn't have thrown in things like the one girl reading books about phantoms and shit. No, because he was still trying to make that parallel to how people are like ghosts and that we all die alone. And that even in an afterlife that we die alone as a way to say probably, hey, you should spend more time together while you got it because who knows when you die if you're going to be alone right. forever. Right. So why spend more time by yourself while you're alive when you have that opportunity to spend with somebody than when you die and realize it's too late? Does that make sense? It makes sense. But for this movie, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I'm just saying that's this person's theory. It's not yeah. wrong. No, no, it's, it's not, not right. Wrong. It's not. There's it's, no right or wrong. Exactly. I'm just from my perspective. I just I don't get it with this movie. It's not about whether you get it or not. It's just a matter of of like. You know what I liked? I did like seeing all the old like dial-up internet, and he used in an internet service called Uranus. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's like funny. a very like tip of the hat to go fuck yourself internet mm -hmm. aol or something right you know? right i thought that was clever god i remember using fucking aol discs oh like that oh my god me too dude they were everywhere you dude, my, just go get them anywhere my mom used to work at genie mm -hmm. which is general electric they had their own internet service uh -huh. long before aol was ever a thing mm -hmm. and it was literally dial up like windows like they had games that were based off of you know the c colon forward slash mm -hmm. jesus like dos wow they had dos games i still use that you would play over the internet it was like a dungeon right. that you would crawl through i still use dos at work yeah i was amazed Sad. by dos when i was a kid See, I was always alone when I was a kid. I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with like people. So I found computers to be fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I was like really super into like just even being able to open up a directory on a disc. And I was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. the world is so crazy. Like, <laughs> oh my God, what's on this? What end, never ending world? And back then on computers, you know, when they first came out, like people were like, there's so many movies where like computers can do in insane things that they still to this day. And can't they were even humongous. Do. 
Vegas, and now they're like in our hand. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if you ever notice like '80s movies, whatever, they'll be like, "Go to the computer and ask." You know, like, <laughs> like what does it, it know? It knows everything. It, it only knows what we put into it. You right. know. So, what was the forbidden room? The forbidden room is basically I don't know what it means like, necessarily. I think he's made a a connection to that in some regard mm-hmm. i don't know what the red tape is i don't know like uh, for me this is just what i've experienced i didn't like i said right i didn't hear his extras right i, I didn't find any of this other stuff i don't know what would you think the the forbidden room is with me explaining some of what i have already see i'm thinking maybe it's um that is what's causing everything because everybody got this thing called the forbidden room it was like a script or something uh maybe it's more like you know when you spend so much time in one specific spot and you get really depressed in there and you really need to get it out of there right and you have to tape it up to not let it out to try to get away from your depression you gotta get out Mm -hmm. so you tape it up Mm -hmm. (laughs) red tape is also probably a double entendre if you think about it too i mean maybe i'm thinking too deeply here but when i use the terminology red tape it means laws rules processes things that you have to do in order to get past the red tape that makes sense but in the movie they made it seem towards the end of the movie they were kind of explaining the red tape thing but they just made it seem like oh that was all that was there because they were in the abandoned building right and that guy came and he was like, do you have any tape or something? No, 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 no. There is a spot where the guy, Hurea, or whatever, H-U-R-A-E, whatever mm-hmm. her name is. The girl that's like extremely lonely, scared to, she's like extremely scared to exist. Like even afterwards, she's going to be alone. She's like, has she's hopeless. Right. She, she meets Kawashami, or Kawashima. Mm-hmm. And her friend who's also studying this with her mm-hmm. is the one that points out the ghost. Remember? Right. He's like, Oh, you see it too. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you should go catch it before it disappears. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean? It's actually there. It's like, yeah, it's there. Go ahead and check it out. I really wish they would have explained that whole thing. You know what I mean? Cause that was intriguing. Like, how does this guy, like, what is this guy doing? Like, why is this guy egging this other guy on? Maybe it's like a metaphor for like, you know, the fact that we, the more we sink ourselves away from each other, the more we are closer to death. That's why I'm saying like, Jesus, maybe like full of metaphors in his mind. He thought of death as like a very lonely place. And there are people who think that nothing exists after we die. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I used to be one of those people. Well, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know what right. exists. Do you think you go to heaven or I don't know where I go, but. Is there like There's a, an energy, and I, I I can't explain it. Does NSYNC play in heaven <laughs> with you? <laughs> oh, I was like, Backstreet's back. Oh, yeah, well, is, or the Backstreet that's Boys. The, yeah. That's the other one. This is the end. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody knows. That's what I'm saying, though. But like for maybe for him, it was a very hopeless time, and he was thinking, you know, maybe that there is no afterlife, and we should we should recognize that so that we can live our lives to the fullest while we're alive. Because right now, currently, in this existence... In this world, built with convenience and to cause us to not have to stand next to each other. Like, literally, we'll text each other in the other room. Well, yeah, because we're lazy. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. That's the point. That's the point. If the we texting- need more interaction, less non-interaction is what his point is. 
So he was using death as a means to say, this is the scary thing. Oh. These ghosts are fucking trying to be around people because they're so lonely. But I want to know why. I want to know why I got a red tape up a room. I want to know why the ghosts are coming through the computer. Right. Well, I, again, like I said. I want to know why. <laughs> because they are connecting to that world that is very lonely. So in a way, they're seeping into that world, becoming ghosts. So we're all just going to die. Well, if you think about it this way, if his idea was that if you're going to die and you're going to be alone, you're going to live alone in this fucking void alone. Maybe that's what he's trying to do is he's trying to make a horror movie to scare you into living. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But okay, that's what he's trying to do. (laughs) No. Because <laughs> his, in his mind, he said, and this is a quote from him, ghosts are just like chilling. They're around us all the time and it doesn't really matter anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're there to scare you. They're just right. there. Right. Because they got nothing else to do. Yeah, he's like, it's very mundane, I would assume. That's how he assumes the afterlife is, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's interesting, though, because it, 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 it puts more value on living life rather than escapism which is you know video games movies like all this stuff it talks about interaction being the like key to happiness and like sharing with one another these people's lives stayed they stay by staying together they mm-hmm. lived that makes sense so i don't know just what i thought about it i thought it was pretty cool there was some really cool uh iconography in this movie like with like weird ghosts doing like hello right and like this creepy old lady who's just creeping yeah. She's just creeping to come I liked get how you. like people would be in that room where they died like suddenly and it was mm-hmm. almost like they were there but they're not there. Mm-hmm. I liked the I, there was just a lot of meaning to it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm going on and on about it too much. I'm just mm-hmm. I just thought it was fascinating to talk about and it's it's unfortunate I couldn't find someone to talk with. Sorry. About- <laughs> <laughs> get over it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Too bad this is a podcast that we could have spent time. I'm just kidding. Whatever. You should find another co-host. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I won't go on too much. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, again, you know, if you're listening this far and you haven't seen the movie, you you pretty much spoiled the whole thing for you. But there's we didn't really spoil any scenes. It's just that kind of thing. So, I don't know. Maybe you'll see something in it and some value in it. But uh, I'm not going to watch it again anytime soon, that's for sure. But I would definitely like to add it to my collection. So Makes sense. Yeah. We do have another movie that Christina is probably going to think is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> you dork. <laughs> and it's called Pulse, and it's from 2006. I'm, I'm going to guess it right now. 10 out of 10. No. No. Really? No. God, okay. no. God, no. <laughs> I'm just being a dickhead. <laughs> All right, this movie is PG-13, just so you know. Okay. And it's when their computer hacker friend... Well, this is unrated. We watched the unrated version. Oh, we did? So there is a scene that's in this movie that would not have been there had it been just PG-13, and the PG-13 version is... Okay, you'll have to tell me what scene that is. Yeah. When their computer hacker friend accidentally channels a mysterious wireless signal, a group of co-eds rally to stop a terrifying evil terrifying evil from taking over the world tagline you are now infected gee original (laughs) well so they're trying to be a little bit more on the nose with it than right the other one yeah which is why this i'm not gonna get into it yet (laughs) this was directed by jim sonzero um he's known for his work on the pug pugilist 
2012 and War of Angels from 1999. He also did the PlayStation game Killzone 3. <laughs> and like you said, this was written by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, which you talked about. Well, once. yeah, he was. it's based off of his material, but he didn't write right. the screenplay. But the screenplay was written by Wes Craven, who did Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. I got some info on that, by the way. Oh, okay. Also, screenplay was also written by Ray Wright. Yeah, he didn't necessarily write on it, by the way, guys. Just, just in oh, case West you missed, missed the trivia. Oh, okay. yeah. He he went on a statement and said, "I oh, really? anything that you're seeing in this movie is not even a figment of what I imagined." Oh. So, okay. So I guess we'll have to give credit to Ray Wright. Um, he's worked on the Crazies from uh, 2009, Greta, and Case 39. This movie stars Kristen Bell, who plays Maggie. She was in Reefer Madness, the movie, <laughs> the movie man. What? <laughs> Sorry. What? What is the musical? What is that? I don't know. I thought it was funny. And I've I never heard was, of that fucking musical before. I thought it was odd that she was in it. I thought it was odd. But she's yeah. mostly known for Veronica Mars. She played Veronica Mars for like ever. And, then, and the reboot. And she was also, she played all the voices, like pretty much all the voices, both the sisters in the movie Frozen. That's who everyone rem- knows her for. Right. Well, I always remember from the comedies that she was in, like she was in Get Him to the Greek, Fanboys, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Those are the big ones I always think of. Mm-hmm. So, but whatever. Who else is in there? Uh, I, Ian Summerhalden. Ian? Ian S- Summerhalden. Who plays Dexter? He was in Lost and the Va- Vampire Diaries. Yeah, he looks like one of those kind of guys. You right. Know what I mean? uh, Christina Milian, who plays Izzy. So if you don't recognize her name, um, in 2001, she signed a contract to Def Jam Records and she's had hits such as AM to PM and Dip It Low, which I know those songs. I don't know if you do. But <laughs> what? She, no. she also played Magenta in the 2016 version of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And she was in the Clueless TV show. And she was in that movie Torque, which was the Dane Cook action movie, comedy action movie. Right. <laughs> which was not good. Right. I think that was like one of the last things he did. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to turn him into an action star, mm-hmm. get him all beefed up. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Rick Gonzalez, who plays Stone, uh, he was in The Rookie, and he also played Wild Dog on Arrow. Uh, he was also in Apartment 143. He was in War of the Worlds, you know, our one of our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And he played Ben on that show, Reaper. Uh, Jonathan Tucker, who plays Josh, he was in The Ruins, which we watched last week. Yeah. Uh, also, he was in Monsterland and I think that's where I got the idea from is I was looking through his oh, catalog really? and I was like, oh, Pulse. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how it always opens up a bridge to the next thing, you know. <laughs> and then I just ha- have to quickly mention that there was short appearances from Octavia Spencer and Ron Rifkin. Okay. Who are familiar. And the budget on this movie was uh, $20.5 million. That oh, was wow. a budget on this movie, and then I think it grossed thirty million. A lot of CGI probably costs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that was pretty high yeah. for this movie. Well, what'd you think of it? Since I got to go me? last time. Well, I thought. Well, I thought that I did like this movie better than the original. Because um, it was more fast paced. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, and it explained a little bit more. But there were things I didn't like about it. There was like a lot of jump scares, which I guess this is around the time where it started getting really popular. Mm-hmm. It had similar imagery to the other one, which I liked. 
probably went a little bit deeper. Yeah, this that's the other thing, too, is this one had jump scares. The other one mm-hmm. didn't. No, it didn't. Um, I did like how they threw in the therapist aspect in this one because they had an actual therapist in here that she would go and see, mm-hmm. which I thought that that was kind of clever. Um, there was I had more of a feeling that I knew where they were. I knew how everybody related to each other, even though there were some where it was, it was just weird. But it explained things a lot better. But I didn't like the main character. She was annoying. Mm. But I mean, I don't know. What did you think of, like, did you think it was scary? Did you... It wasn't scary. What did you think of the CGI did, in the show? Again, I thought it, it, there was a more of a precedence of this was ghosts coming after them rather than an internet thing. The ghosts were coming through the internet. Right. Because the, they mentioned the hackers and, you know, it, un- it unleashed something and all this stuff happened but i mean you know four out of ten okay well this this for me was just like like there's there's two things i think about because one i think about it compared to the original which the original takes its pacing it takes atmosphere does sound design it does you know it takes its time to really kind of get under your skin whereas this one is just bubble gum it's all bubble gum like and they take the ghost idea from the original and then elaborate on it like 50 times more, which is not what I don't think the original, you know, Kurosawa was really trying to say. Mm-hmm. He was adding it in there to give it some sort of spice, you know, uh, but I don't think he was trying to say ghosts were trying to come and get you. Half the people that were on the screen in the in the monitors in the original movie were people who were just living in depression. They weren't dead. But interpreted it in America, it meant basically, oh, what a way we could get ghosts to come through the Internet and some hacking program. And, oh, yeah, it'll be so sleek and cool. And they, like, try to mute all the colors in this, but it's so blown out. Like, everything is like, what is the word? It's um, the contrast is just really fucked on this movie. So, like, the brights are really bright and the darks are really dark. And it's like they they obviously put a blue filter over everything to sort of mimic, like, the original movie in a way. And the, the first one felt a little bit more organic. And this one feels like Hollywood the fuck up. Totally. You know, like, it's interesting. And I I, I kind of like both aspects of both of these movies in some regards. Like, it, it sucks that it's cheapened up a little bit, you know, because of the, the American take on it. And a lot of people hate it for that reason, because it kind of takes something that's kind of like some people find beautiful and then, like, turns it into some fucking bubblegum shitbag fucking movie to just, just try to capitalize on the ghost genre, which was very big, you know, at the time. Right. Uh, even though this is late, I like the idea. Like, I got vibes of stuff of, like, a movie called... Um, I think it was they or them where like a girl has night terrors and stuff like that. There's like some stuff in there where it feels like there's this air about going like the whole world is being infected by this, uh, this, this ghost, this virus, this like organic feeding virus that it was started within computers and that, you know, they kind of touch upon that in the first movie a little bit, but they really amped it up here to 11 or like 28. <laughs> 
in this one. And honestly, the CGI in this one was bad. It was, it was bad. I mean, maybe, you know, like they were praising it for being so technologically advanced. Maybe I'm just, I forget what 2006 had to offer for CGI, mm-hmm. but it looks so blown out and like, mm-hmm. it's cool and stylish and stuff. And I could definitely see like, I like apocalyptic films. Right. And this is sort of apocalyptic film that is based on ghosts leaking into our world. It's like Ghostbusters without the comedy and a lot more bubblegum. You know what I mean? Like they seep into this world and everybody dies and people are losing their minds. I really would have liked to seen a sequel with this idea for this one that is kind of like another view from somebody else and their experience on it so it kind of like it does touch upon some of the themes we're talking about like depression and sadness and loneliness and all that but it's like it has a purpose why it is that way it's like oh the ghosts are doing it it's not that these people are depressed and there's this deeper meaning it's more of like hey ghosts are making people depressed and shit we gotta (laughs) the end of the world is happening what do we do holy shit call constantine and get him over here with this (laughs) giant gun or a thumb drive which they use you know what i mean like it's Mm -hmm. just it's it's kind of interesting though like i gotta say like as like a popcorn film it's not the best (laughs) you know but it's got some stuff in it that's pretty cool like some visuals that are kind of neat Mm-hmm. I really wish, like, I even got, like, a Thing vibe in, in one of the moments because they decided to go practical for that specific moment. Right. Uh, which was good, which was a good thing. It was a good use of the camera. Um, but, yeah, it, it comes at you so fast, it's really not about digesting anything than what is right in front of you. So if you're looking for more of a ghost movie, I would say pick this one. If you're looking for something that's going to creep into your bones, I'd say watch the first one. And excluding the first one altogether, I mean, this is not even that great of a film. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's feels kind of rushed. Kind of like 4.5 for me. Right. Like interesting concept, but just everything feels like it's going through the motions. They did 100% mimic all of the original kills and things that happened in the first movie, Mm -hmm. which was intentionally done, by the way. They wanted to honor it by doing that. But I feel like they could have like taken off the handcuffs enough uh, and done their own thing because they kind of do that anyway. This is Mm -hmm. considered to be a remake Whereas a reboot would be like, okay, we're scrapping this whole part and we're going to do something else. In a lot of ways, the story is a reboot, but they mimic a lot of the same things that happen. Too many, though. Too many? I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. I just don't think there was enough care about the characters. Like, I think in the original movie, it was meant to be like, you didn't know who these people were. You were just coming right in the middle of their lives. Where this one's like, well, we better explain it. And she's friends with this person and that person. It's it's the typical, like, hey, kids in a college. And instead of just some random coworker who doesn't come into work one day, your friend, he's a love interest. And it's like, uh, right. I don't know. I'm still glad I own it. It's not something I'm going to pop on all the time, but it has enough interest to it that i wouldn't mind watching a sequel if it had a little bit more money and they could go better places with it because i like the apocalyptic theme Mm -hmm. of like your electronics like haunting you in some way it's kind Mm -hmm. of an interesting concept in that bubblegum sense Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah it makes sense okay so i don't know i i i don't know i i don't this is not even a shadow uh as good as this first the first one in my opinion but it is way more entertaining in the regard of like watching a movie 
instead of like an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more entertaining. keeps you keeps your time going. Like it goes by pretty quick. How long was this? Like an hour and a half. Yeah, right? hour and a half. So, and you gave it a what? Four. So we get a 4.25 from both of us and a 5.25 for the other one, for mm-hmm. the last one. It's because you scored it so high. <laughs> Maybe I should have scored it lower. <laughs> wow, just so you can <laughs> shit on Wow, that's terrible. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not for everybody, you know, the first one. And this one is definitely not for many. I think we're. I've given it a higher score than most people. Um, I think most people give this like a three or four. Mm-hmm. The, the remake which makes sense i would probably score it lower but i'm able to like i'm not like a fanboy of the first one so i think since we kind of watched them simultaneously that it i think it helped because you know what i mean sure i don't know but if i just watched this one going well, we didn't in, watch them back to back we watched them two days like a day, well, apart. day apart but i'm glad we did because mm-hmm. i wouldn't have digested the first movie as well mm-hmm this one, it's like a bunch of shit happens on the screen. There's some cool stuff that I liked that I thought was kind of neat, but it, everything looks like you're in this. I don't want to spoil it. We'll get into the spoilers about that part. Right. But the way it looks just feels like you're on green screen the whole time. Totally. You know what I mean? And they added like dream sequences and shit to this The one. ghosts were kind of funky looking. I didn't like, like the ghosts. It wasn't scary. No. I didn't feel I just like the concept out. though. The concept was kind of interesting. Right. There wasn't like as many shadows and stuff like in the first one. Oh yeah. They would make so they would like make creepy. you scared to see what was in the darkness. Mm-hmm. This one is just like neon lights. <laughs> Let me come on your face, you stupid fucking viewer. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, this is a tough one to like watch anywhere. Um, you might be able to find a copy somewhere, but this, yeah, I think you have to pay like 10 bucks. I don't even think they rent it. Mm. <laughs> so you have to kind of like do some digging. We got ours. I don't remember. I think we did get it in the Dollar Tree. I think I buy. found it at the Dollar Tree. This yeah, it was just DVD. a random buy. Well, no, it wasn't at the Dollar Tree. I don't think it was. Was it Big Lots? Probably Big Lots. Okay. Seems like a Big Lots movie. So we got it for like three bucks. Probably, yeah. So, but yeah, uh, it's going to be kind of hard to find, but you'll probably, if you dig enough, I'm sure you'll find a copy <laughs> unless you want to pay 10 bucks to rent it. I think they don't really care about the movie anymore. They made two sequels, by the way, guys. American sequels? Yeah. Wow. Two and three. Why? They didn't make that much money. I looked at the trailer and it was like, Ew. You know, a question I have, I don't understand why either of these movies is called Pulse. And there was a couple of scenes where they really could have... Anybody that has a pulse is alive. Well, yeah, I understand that, but they they should have emphasized that. I think they did in the first one. This one? No. No. And they could have. They kind of do in the new one. Well, they don't. Uh, anyway. Really, anyway. Well, there is some trivia on it, though, that I'll go over with you about the whole Wes Craven thing and uh, a few other things. So if you don't want anything spoiled for this movie, you can go down to the timestamps down below and check out what we're going to review for next week. So go ahead and do that now or stick around. Here is your warning. So we mentioned that the there's a lot of the same scenes from the original. It was definitely done intentionally. Um, the one scene that made this unrated, by the way, the unrated version that we watched is the girl jumping off the tower. Really? Because of the suicide impact of that. 
And that's what made it PG-13. Well, most movies, they don't, they, someone jumps off a roof and they don't show them hitting the ground. But the way that they shot the original, they did it just like seamlessly. Right. But it was really just like cutting it together at the right time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same thing with the other. Mm -hmm. Did the same kind of shot. But if you're wondering what the unrated is, that's what it is. That's what it was? Mm -hmm. That's weird. You'd think it'd have boobies or something. No, yeah. I was, well, it's a PG-13 movie, so it's like... Right, but you would think in the unrated, there would have be boobies or something. Back when... And we're still fighting that whole, you know, thing, which got, got some people upset. Fighting what thing? I was talking about PG-13 films and how I prefer rated R. And, oh, yeah, yeah. But apparently back in 2003, Wes Craven was uh, helmed to direct this movie, and he wrote it, too. Which I kind of think it feels like a good fit, actually. He did, like, Shocker. Mm-hmm. He did, like, you know... I don't know. It just seems like it could it could work. Like, right. I, that idea could work in an American way, mm-hmm. you know? But he said that the script was butchered after he left the project. And he went on to talk to Fangoria and said, I have had no influence at all on the film that they are about to release. Oh, well, I wonder why they kept him as a credit because of her. Probably because they could use it in their fucking movie. Right. Yeah. Because Wes Craven's a big name. Right. Exactly. He didn't want any part of it. Right. And he probably was pissed that, that he was even attached that they could even use his name. Because mm-hmm. it seems like there were some pretty big creative differences and they wanted something completely different. He, I wonder if he was actually honoring the original, the original source more. material. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe. would like actually touching upon the whole depression thing. Yeah. And maybe they're like, now turning it into a fucking ghost movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. I'd, I'd be interested to ask him. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good question to ask. You know, if we if we could have gone back in time and asked him, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think about this one that was like pissed you off or maybe made you happy? Like anything that you can spoil now because we're in the spoiler section. Oh, what pissed me off or made me happy? Yeah, like what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? You know what? I did like there. There was a lot of uh, stuff they kept in reference to the first movie, mm-hmm. which I kind of liked because you could be like, "Oh, hey, it's that even old some of the lady. dialogue." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, it's that old lady. Oh, hey, look, a plane crash. Like, which was a weird scene in the in the the first movie, which they kept in at the end. I'm glad they didn't do the ship thing, which we didn't talk about. Yeah. That was weird. I liked... I did not like the love interest thing. I thought that was dumb. Um, it cheapened it. I did like how they were college students instead of working together or in school together, whichever scenario from the first movie. Um, but it wasn't as boring. Yeah. I, I didn't like the dream sequence shit they put in there. No. It was, was pointless. It made her feel seem like... They, they were giving her like psychic powers or something like she could see beyond into the beyond yeah and no that's what why is this here there's no reason one of the first changes and comparisons i caught was like oh okay so her boyfriend's like takuichi takuchi mm-hmm. or whatever Mm-hmm. The first guy who hangs himself. Right. And um, she talks about like, oh, I haven't heard from him in a week, which in the original movie, they're like, oh, I haven't heard from we haven't heard from him in a week. <laughs> He's supposed to have that disc. What the fuck do plants and discs have in common, by the way? <laughs> Why do they need I don't it know. at their work? I think the, I think I'm, we missed something there. It had something to do with the job. Probably like their you know, growth like, patterns yeah, or something. Yeah, data is probably yeah. like plant data yeah but 
I don't know. I did. I did like the hacker thing because I like the element that he hacked into something he wasn't supposed to be hacking into, and it, it unleashed something. Well, I kind of like the idea that they're kind of getting infected by this like sort of disease thing. It makes it very physical in a way, mm-hmm. but it's not like so like abrupt that it's like possession. Right. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like it makes them lose their will to live. Yeah. Is what they said. Which is weird. Which is kind of interesting, but I mean, it, it kind of takes away from the whole right. point. It's like, they got the depressed, and that's why they became close to the dead in mm-hmm. the first movie. Whereas this, it's like, oh no, it's the ghost just infecting them. Mm-hmm. To make them not hate, to hate their life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they were perfectly fine. Right. Whereas the first movie was kind of trying to point out, hey, you never know who's going to have it. Who mm-hmm. has depression or not, because they don't always share it with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because somebody dies in their life, and this is true, by the way, someone kills themselves or whatever, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. a trigger for some people to do it for them. Right. And it's kind of contagious in that way. I'm not, right. I'm not trying to speak from a professional aspect, but that is. Yeah, they say that. Yeah. That's why they always put the phone number up, mm-hmm. you know, immediately. The when suicide hotline. Suicide hotline. So, because it is such a trigger for mm-hmm. people. I feel like we should put it up now. Like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. down below, guys, in the information if you want to check it out. Um, there are people here for you. Um, but yeah, like, that's, that's the kind of like the depth gone out of this movie. It's like, oh, well, let's just make a ghost movie. Like, the whole reason Weinstein bought it is to make a ghost movie. Right. He didn't give a fuck what it was well, about. Well, he only cares about money. Yeah. He saw ghosts. He was like, oh, ghosts. And it's in this thing. Uh, yeah, let's, let's buy that up and. I'm going to go push myself on women. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's all he gives a shit about. He didn't give a fuck about anything else. He wanted to make money. He's trying to make money. He didn't give a fuck. Right. He didn't care about no art. He's a fucking producer. He makes money. Right. So he's just using the artist to make fucking money. Mm. But yeah, obviously, um, that's why there was no art in this one. The Mm. new one. (laughs) Do we know why? Like, I always was curious about the director because he didn't really do much. And I was uh, like, does it have something to do with this movie not being successful? No, I don't think it has anything to do with it. He did the job. He did it uh, as well as he could. Right, right. A lot of the post-CGI stuff that they did afterwards just really mucked up this movie for me. It really did. I didn't like it. It makes it feel just like there's no authenticity to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like, it's interesting in the story only. I like seeing the plane crash like they did in the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all, like, cool. And it kind of goes past that a little bit, you know, to show, like... The world, what it was like after it had been pillaged, yeah. and they show you little behind the scenes things with like the TV and mm-hmm. and like how they're like reporting on yeah, this. Yeah, and news. how it's everywhere. It's yeah. not just like there. And you it's see like... people in the world like scared about this right. thing. I really feel like if the movie would have gone more that direction and like people trying to hide from this fucking thing, right? Like a post apocalyptic right. thing. Yeah, almost kind of like Darkest Hour. Did you ever see that movie? Not you know where remember. the aliens come and they knock out technology and like mm-hmm. they like make people vaporize <laughs> no I didn't and it's like that. these spinning ball things that they like figure out how to like mm-hmm. kill in some way i don't know they're like invisible and they like shock people and they like disappear mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like that in a way i don't know it just feels like that because all the people like i guess you know if you meet a ghost in this movie if they touch you they don't kill you they just make you fucking not want to live and you either decide to do it or not 
And then you all of a sudden turn into dust like Endgame. Yeah. And then, yeah. That's what I mean. That's the same thing with uh, Darkest Hour. Oh, is that what Real shitty, like, kind of action B alien invasion movie, apocalyptic invasion movie, but it's kind of like, I think it's better than this, (laughs) honestly. But I like the concept in this a little bit more because I just like the marriage of technology and ghosts. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's because, you know, ghosts do kind of affect technology in a lot of ways. You know, like we can see things like if you believe in ghosts or not, we pick things up in like different frequencies than we do with our own ears, mm-hmm. you know, like that we don't we wouldn't normally hear. But machines can pick that up. Mm-hmm. So there is this marriage already with the technology. It's like, hey, maybe this technology can help us see into another world. But how far do you want to peer into with technology? technophobia (laughs) you know like i don't know kind of interesting i don't think any movie's really done it all that well you know married the two you know you get movies like videodrome and stuff which is more of like a subconscious kind of thing that like changes you biologically Mm -hmm. to become an agent of chaos and like fight against um what was it like there were subversive acts and things like that and pure you know because there was like a a war back in the day you know with like what is too much pornographic and like you know this is not stuff that people should be subverting or Mm -hmm. or be a part of subversive culture because it makes you into this bad person well what if they flipped the script and made you an agent to stop all that and that that's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. but i don't think there's really been that many movies that kind of marry the two that well right you know Mm -hmm. transcendence does with the ai thing but that's done kind of schlocky and you know like how far is too far So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting with ghosts to see if they can sort of infect our world that way. And that was the thing. So, I had, like, a story when I was younger that I... I've mentioned it on the podcast before. There was that concept album that I was going to do with Gabriel when we did the... um, Right. The Download Conspiracy album, or Mm -hmm. the band, the Download Conspiracy. Mm -hmm. It was going to be all about that, Mm -hmm. about how you were opening up this barrier that was another dimension where these creatures called the Dividers lived, and they fed on existence. And they were stuck in this barrier, but when we tapped into technology with, like, VR and shit like that, it opened up a sort of a hole for them to kind of seep through. Mm -hmm. Same thing with this story, so that's why I find it appealing. Right. But they handled it piss poor. Right. So, you know, there's the characters aren't likable. You know, it just sucks. Right, it really does. There was that one really cool scene, though, where their friend Stoney gets sunk into the wall, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, screaming as he's bubbling and his voice is distorting. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Right. But everything else was kind of like, meh. I don't know. What was your favorite death or favorite scene? That would probably be mine. Plus all the, like, the additions of, like, people talking about how it's affecting the world around them. My favorite scene was when she went back to uh, uh, his apartment after he had killed himself because she was looking for his computer. And then Octavia Spencer <laughs> pops up as the landlord for, like, a split second and they get in, like, this this stupid argument. That was my favorite scene. She's like, I'll call the cops on you. I'll call the cops on you. <laughs> So like, look, I sold the damn computer because he didn't pay his damn rent, okay? <laughs> I 
love her. <laughs> she, I, that was such a surprise for me. Yeah. Well, like, there's, it's so crazy seeing that guy, the Jonathan Tucker, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. seeing him in there too. Like I'm seeing him on all these movies now. It's like <laughs> tripping me out. It's like enough, Jonathan. Jo- enough. You know what scene I did like too was the uh, the in the laundry room with the dryer where she was doing her clothes. And oh, the, the that's dry- that's the one that I was talking right. about. Yeah. That seems kind of cool. Well, they have, like, four-legged fucking dude come out of the fucking dryer, mm-hmm. and it's like... The thing guy. Right. And he's, like, slapping his hands on the ground and crawling across the ground, like, you know, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you can put the lid on this by a simple hacking program... hmm Like, wouldn't you think that's, like, a Pandora's box situation? Once they got in, that's it? Right. Like, yeah, t- yeah, what are you going to do? Towards- fucking use your fucking Ghostbuster lasers to try to like. <laughs> well, they had a virus. So they, yeah, that whole scene where they like had to go to the server room and there was all these ghosts and, oh, we got to just plug in this thing and I got to upload the virus. And like, I love how the so characters stupid. all just kind of like went along with it. They're like, yeah, I guess that right. makes sense. Whatever. I don't even remember the end of the movie. Did they lit? Like, did they shut it down? Well, they go to the server where it all started, thinking that they could close the portal that way. So they shut it down, and the guy was like, "I don't even know if it'll even work. How do you even know if it'll work, even if you do it?" And he's like freaking out with red tape all right. over him. He keeps taping shit up. It's gonna get you. That's another thing in this movie that they do is like everybody knows to use the red tape, just like the first movie. And I feel like there's a better explanation than either of these movies give. Right, and all they especially were especially were- more so in the first movie, it does than the second. Yeah, this one they just they show a guy putting up a flyer, and it says. Red tape the the room. Don't let it airtight. In. Yeah, airtight. Because don't let you don't want to let it in, or it's gonna get you. Yeah, there's it's like a rule set for this thing. Like, right. Once you've been infected, you gotta close up your room so they don't get inside or something. It's like, well, what about your? I don't know. I'm so confused. Right. What is this like a, a terrorist attack? Remember? Well, I think the it, other thing that is time. is that I think they took that part from the original movie where the guy was telling the story about the guy who was. You know, opened up a program and then he taped off the window and the doors and stuff like that. And after years and hours and days of not being able to get out of that room, it finally figured out a way to get into the Internet. Right. To affect people. And that's how. So, I mean, they explain it. uh, They explain it more (laughs) in the new one. Although I don't know that Kurosawa would signed off on something like that. Right. But it really wasn't his movie at that point, you know, mm-hmm. once it got bought. Do you blame him for selling it? No. With his, like, open-eyed, you know, he's, like, into a lot of different genres. Right. So. And he continued to work, so, I mean. It's true. You know, gotta get that money. Gotta get that money. <laughs> gotta get that money. <laughs> um, That's a little dicky. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I didn't like either is, like, they get in the truck, they drive off at the end of the movie from all the computers, and they pull over for her sleep, and she brings her phone with her, and there's, like, a radio oh. broadcast that's like, hey, don't bring your phones with you, because there's internet there. And and she's like, oh, oh I let, just now thought of it. My, let, let's turn on my phone. Yeah, she's like, oh, fuck. And it, it attacks the car, and it's, like, busting out the windows and shaking the whole thing, and then she breaks her, or they keep driving, and as the signal's going away... Further they go. Oh, we must be in a dead zone. Yeah, it starts to disappear, and it's like, oh so god, stupid. So she chucks her phone out the her fucking razor phone out the window, and then at the end she's like, it's like Kristen Bell's like, the world is gone, but we're still alive, and we'll keep fighting. But so will they. 
Derp. The end. Have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, wouldn't it have been cooler if they had like 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 these things came through that were like very blobulous like creatures that would like grab onto you and like suck you into the wall and mm-hmm. suck you into devices and shit like that and like morph you into the stuff. Like that would have been so much cooler. That sounds cool. You know, like that's what I, I always think of like how Cronenberg did things and how like Lovecraft always like mixed things in. It's always like it's always like inbreeding or like breeding like different DNAs together and stuff to make this like monster, you know, mm-hmm. like those It's a pretty, you know, like this was just like, oh, it's a bald guy with white paint on his face. Neat. Mm-hmm. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's like shaved head, dude, you know. Oh, no, it's a skin edge coming to. Anyway, uh, but yeah, guys, what did you think of these two movies? I would love to hear what you guys think. Did you enjoy the first one uh, less than the new one, like Christina, or were you the opposite, like me? Or are you somewhere in the middle and you thought both were pretty average and that you weren't into them? Let us know in the comment section down below. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, next week, we're going to be watching some more movies. I think we're going to be watching, what was it, Pandorum from... 2009 is like another action sort of horror sci-fi horror film and daybreakers which is actually something that i watched not too long ago that i was pretty impressed with so mm-hmm. we'll see how it is the second time or well third or fourth time watching it uh so daybreakers from 2009 pandorum the sci-fi crazy movie that some people might have forgotten but it's actually pretty decent from what i remember i know i own it so I guess we'll have to see what it's like for that one, too. I think it's Ethan Hawke is in the other one. He's like a vampire hematologist. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. It's kind of like a kind of reminds me of like equilibrium meets like vampires. It's kind of weird. Oh, it's like they have like a weird rule structure for this whole thing. So it's interesting. So mm. be on the lookout for that, guys. Um, I hope you guys will uh, enjoy that. And then maybe we'll go back to some older stuff here next week or maybe a new movie and an old movie. We'll see. Right. What do you think? I don't know. I don't think nothing. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for stopping by the podcast and listening. We really greatly appreciate you listening and sharing with your friends to let them know about what we do so we can have one big fucking happy family. Thank you so much for Stephen Kostansky and everyone who reached out to us for the interview. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it and glad to have you on and maybe have him on in the future again. We'll talk about that later, maybe. Thank you guys so much. And as always, long live the voice. So...